The following audio content is a talk given at the Inn, a college ministry of University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website, theinnseattle.org. We invite you to join us each Tuesday at 9 p.m. on the corner of 16th and 47th in Seattle's U District. Well, last week we talked about, we're starting a series on relationships, and we, we started last week by talking about um, the importance of you knowing the identity that you've carried and the way that you've been seen, particularly if you, you humor me in the work that I do from your family, that you grew up in, and the way that your friends may have seen you or the way that you were in school, and that sometimes those roles can be great and they can work for you for a time, and then sometimes they can become confining And that one of the things that Jesus does for us is to offer us the chance to say that role doesn't fit anymore. It's time to accept a new role, just like Jesus did with Peter, just like Jesus did with the lady that the the woman that was caught in the act of adultery, giving people, giving you, giving me that chance to say that identity. You don't have to carry that anymore. Well, tonight we're going to carry that forward as we get ready for this series on relationships. And talk about something else that is so pivotal to all of us as we talk about relationships. And that is the desire to be close. Now, close is something that is a hard concept to to kind of get our heads around. And and what I'm talking about is that that intimacy, that, that feeling that you're with people, or even if you get lucky enough that you're with that particular someone, that when they look at you, they know you. They know what makes you tick. They know when you're strong. They know when you're weak. That when you're suffering, when you're going through a hard time, that you can come close to them, and they're actually going to be a part of what, is soothing, comforting, strong. That they don't necessarily fall and break apart when you are close. That feeling that you can walk into a room and that you can sit down and they almost even know what you're thinking. They can even see it on your face, maybe even faster than you can. We look for that all the time. I know that, that uh, even, even in the midst of all the stuff we're doing, all, the, all the, the events that we do, some of the parties that you're going to, you look around and you watch. People are looking for someone, someplace where they can feel close. So if we're going to talk about relationships, that's at the core of what is at our heart, that desire to be close. Now, if you're like me, come from certain situations, boy, being close can be anxious. And I personally blame that anxiety that, that, that I can have on junior high roller skating. How many of you ever, yeah, you, you didn't see that coming. Thought it was going to be something profound. No, I'm pretty simple. Anybody have to do that when you're, you're in junior high? Anybody roller skate? Anybody get that? This is this cruel thing where they ship you on a bus, like a prison, sentenced, and they send you to this place, it's kind of dark and has bad carpet. And they give you these shoes that are from the 20s, like horse leather. Like you can see the grain of leather and the laces and sweat stains. 
on these awful shoes that have wheels on them, right? Which is not right. You shouldn't have wheels on your shoes. And you put these things on and they start the music up. And you're forced to go onto this really slippery floor and start moving. You know, and that's how you skate when you're starting. You're just doing the little shuffle thing and you're like, hey, what's up, guys? I'm, I'm skating. And, you, you know, and then there's that first loud bang as some, usually it's a guy, because our torso to leg ratio is really off at that time. It's like nine to one, you know? It's like, like pool cues and a bowling ball. That's, there's no torso at all. So you just get on these long, and then it's some guy just zips right out and pop, you know, and I'm good, I'm good. There's always that guy that brings the box with his own skates. <laughs> and he looks at you with kind of pity as he straps on his shiny black skates and suckers wearing their horse hide skates. And then he goes out and is doing, you know, shooting the duck, you know. <laughs> Skating like this while we're all just doing like this. <laughs> uh, what's up, guys? I'll be back around real quick. There's always that guy. Are those your skates? Yeah, those are mine. Skating lessons. And then, and, and this, is the, this is where I get, this is where they, they ingrain it. This is where getting close gets scary because then all of a sudden the music changes and the ball comes down and the strobe light hits that ball and now it's not just a slippery floor with your shoes with the wheels on and you're doing this but now there's moving lights that are trans like hypnotizing small children you know just you know you you watch them follow the light right bam right into the wall i must follow the light you know what i mean and they say Girls, line up on this side. Oh, it's awful, isn't it? And all the guys were going, ah, oh, no. We just started liking girls like two years ago. I don't know what I'm doing. And they say, guys, go and ask a gal to skate with you. <laughs> really? So you do, and you have to go, and everybody's going in a circle really fast and really fast, and then there's a the guy, you know, going back and going, you, and takes her, you know, and he's off, and they're doing their thing. You're skating along, and you see the girl that maybe will say yes. You're not sure, so you kind of do this like you, maybe, as you're going by. So I'll be back. We <laughs> come back around. And then you have to hold hands. And it's sweaty. Close. Scary. Some of you, I know that close is hard. It really is. Some of you guys come from families. I know that, that I do. I come from a family where close... It was modeled well in some ways, in some ways it wasn't. 
I know some of you come from families where your desire to be close, you keep trying and trying and trying. And it always feels like your parents have something else they got to do. I talked to a young gal and her main desire was to be close to her dad and your dad was just always gone. And the crazy making thing was that he'd say, you're the number one most important thing in my life, but if you look at his checkbook and you look at his day timer, it shouldn't show up. Close was hard, scary. You put yourself out there and you get that kind of, not an overt rejection, but you get this kind of subtle rejection. Or some of you come from families where close was just too close and you could almost feel smothered. We call it being engulfed or encroached upon. Some of you have, you, have, you have families where you know what it's like to be in a place where it's, you just kind of feel this sense of it's, it's too close almost. Sometimes when parents don't get along well, we call it spousifying. And what a parent will do, and they're not trying to be, but they're not trying to do anything wrong. It's just that they can be lonely in their marriage, and so they'll reach out to a child. And they'll start confiding in that child things that really ought to be kept for the marriage. And so you can grow up knowing things about one parent or another parent that the other parent doesn't even know. And you don't know what to do with it. And it feels heavy. So some of you can come into this stage of life and you have the desire to be close, but you're also afraid. You're afraid either that person's going to run away or you're afraid that person's going to come in too intense, too, too much. So one of the things that we got to do, you and me both, is to work with and learn how to be close. And one of the things I love about Jesus, it's one of my favorite passages in the Bible, is we know theologically that he embodies full divinity. But he also embodies full humanity. We've got to hold both in the tension. And when I think about Jesus' full humanity, I oftentimes think, well, he looked like a man, he talked like a man, but realistically he wasn't. He didn't have the feelings that I would have. Well, check out in John 15. It's a tense time for Jesus. Jesus has been walking along and he's been doing his stuff. And he starts to gather people. He starts to pick people out. And he starts to say, what's your name, guy? Right here. You, you, right there. What's your name? Hunter. Hunter. Out of a crowd, he says, Hunter, come follow me. What's your name? Olivia. He says, Olivia, why don't you come follow me? And he starts to pick out, what's your name? Annie. He says, Annie. Why don't you come follow me? And he starts to gather these people to him. And at first, there are these people that he doesn't even know. He's getting to know them. But over time, he starts to build a relationship with them. And as he's walking closer and closer to the cross, you can see this sense. And this is just my read on the Gospels. But I think as he gets closer and closer to the cross, he starts to feel more and more of the distance between God the Father. He starts, starts to be kind of scary for him. You even see him in the garden just just in in this state of distress and you see him on the cross just feeling forsaken it's a his humanity is coming out some of you know what that's like 
that when you go through something hard, it's almost like God feels more and more distance. Jesus walked that path. And so when he's in this, he has this moment with the disciples. He gathers Hunter. He gathers Olivia. He gathers Annie. He gathers them together. And it's almost this time where it looks like he's just trying to say, look, you be close with me. And it's like he wants to tell them everything about who he is. It's like you could see him almost worrying about him. I don't want you to forget. I want you to know me. We know that feeling when we want to be close. It's like, I just, I want you to know me. He says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more faithful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. He's saying, you don't have to do this on your own. And even if I'm gone physically, know that I'm going to be here with you in spirit. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. He's saying, stick with me, stay close. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. You can see him just trying to drill this in with him. If a man remains in me and I in him, if we stay close, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. We know that failing. We get separated. It feels almost like we're, we're dying inside. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Jesus is saying, I want you to thrive. As the Father has loved me, I get this. You picture his face. He says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. Not just remain in my teaching. Not just remain in my way of living. Not just remain in the idea of me. He says, remain in me. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in His love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete, that we be close. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. He's saying, the Father has loved me, I have loved you. Now go give that out. Greater love has no one than this. And He's preparing them. Because a lot of them are going to feel abandoned by Him. When he goes to the cross and he's crucified, they're going to feel like, they, like he left them, like he let them down. Greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. It's like he's preparing them. When you see this happen, remember these words. Stay in these words. Know that this is not me leaving you. This is me doing what I got to do. You are my friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants. It's like he's graduating them. 
Not just for their sake, but for his. He needs his friends around him right now. He needs his friends to be close, to walk with him while he has to do the hardest thing he has ever done. I no longer servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I called you friends for everything that I learned from my father I've made known to you. He's saying, everything I have, I have given to you. I'm not trying to keep you in the dark. You did not choose me, but I chose you, Hunter, Olivia, Annie. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, thrive, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command. Love each other. See, Jesus was in this path from his birth to the time where he starts to discover who he is this discovery of his family of who he is, walking his path, gathering his disciples, and all in the time in his mind, he knows where he's going. He's going to a cross. He's got to go to a cross because there's a problem about sin in the world. And he knows that it's his task to take that sin to the cross and by his own death and eventually his own resurrection, that is going to atone for that sin problem in the world. Can you imagine the weight that you'd feel? Can you imagine the nights that he might have spent imagining the nails? Imagining the mockery of people. They mocked him. Some of you know what it's like to get knocked down and it's not bad enough that you got knocked down, but it's the feeling of the people around you not caring. It's the feeling of people watching and doing nothing. Or worse, somebody making fun of you. Some of you have got memories from that time when you were little when that happened. Something happened to you that was embarrassing and somebody else called it out and they laughed. You know that feeling. Can you imagine what Jesus would be going through night after night and knowing that this is his path and that this moment... He gathers his people together. He gathers Hunter. He gathers Olivia. He gathers Annie. He pulls them together. He says, listen, I want to tell you everything about me and I want you not to forget. I want you to stay close. If we're going to be, cl- be close, I'm going to give you three things that we see him doing tonight. And I hope it helps you. I was sitting in the back tonight and I could watch people coming in. It's so encouraging to watch people come up and give each other hugs, being close. It's like, that's good. Good job. And then there's some people that I watched come in pretty much by themselves, sit down by themselves. And I thought, that's got to hurt. Sometimes being in a room like this where everybody seems like they know each other. Does anybody know everybody in this room, by the way? And we got that in common, they're not. How lonely and how much they might desire, like I would if I were in their shoes, to be close. Three things. First thing is you got to have availability. If you're going to be close, 
If you're going to have those kind of relationships where you are known and you know others, you have got to be available. Now, listen, I got to tell you something. When I was thinking through this talk, there's always this balance of how much do I tell you about me. And I always feel like it's kind of important to kind of share some of those things without burdening you. But I'll tell you that sometimes this is the one that I struggle with. I go through every winter, I go through a seasonal depression where I start wanting to kind of pull into myself. And those people that are around me, that are close to me, can feel really hurt because all of a sudden I don't necessarily want to be around people. I get irritable. And I can always tell that it's coming on and I can tell that my availability is going down. So I have to stretch in this one to be open, to be close. You have to be available. Now, some of you, this is where in my, in my world, one of the ways that I look at people is I think of them as a system of parts. Sort of I've got a part of me that feels this way and a part of me that feels that way. Or I hate myself when I do what? We hear it all the time. I feel torn. Well, what parts are torn? Part of me wants to do this. Part of me doesn't want to do this. You see Paul wrestle with this in Romans 7. He's saying, I do the things I don't want to do. I don't do the things I do do want to do. You feel that tearing, that feeling of parts. Part of me wants to be close. But if you were to be honest with yourself, if you look it through your life, some of you can find a part that's terrified of being close. It's not available. Some of you know what it's like to start dating somebody. In the beginning, you've got that super, that fire, you know. I found the perfect person. You'll never guess. I found him. I found the perfect person. I found her. She's great. She's perfect. She meets every one of my needs. It's incredible. We've only known each other for two days. We're going to get married. So great. And you notice that as you start getting together, that there's suddenly this schedule thing, that there's something always kind of coming in their way. They're always kind of slightly doing something else. And so you start feeling this anxiety saying, you know, where, where, where are you? I'd like to do this one thing. Well, I'd love to do that with you. But I've got, yeah, that's the phrase, I've got to do whatever. Oh, this job came up and I've got to move. Or this work came up and I've got to work. Now, sometimes that's true. Sometimes you really do. But you start seeing a pattern and you can see what we call a distancer-pursuer relationship start to happen. One person starts to be the pursuer. They're always coming up with things to do. They're always coming up with ways to be close. The other person is starting to kind of unconsciously push away. They're starting to push away. And what happens? Let's see. Let's see. Uh, What's your name? Taylor, would you come up with me for a second? Come on up, Taylor. It's all right. We're all we're all friends in here, aren't we? Yeah. Now let's see. Let's see, Taylor. Taylor and I. We've been married for. Or let's just say we. You know. <laughs> what? So let's say that Taylor, Taylor and I are in a distance or pursue a relationship because sometimes it happens in marriage too. It starts up. I deal with it all the time with people. Now let's say that Taylor is the distancer. So Taylor takes a step to the left. And that makes me anxious because what I want to do is I want to maintain closeness. So what do I do? Is I take a step forward, which makes her do what? Right, exactly. Then I go like this. She, you saw her do it. Exactly. Thanks, Taylor. Go ahead. It just happens. It's real common. And we start to realize that a part of us may not be truly available. And so one of the, some of the things that you can start to pray about, that you can start to grow in, is just to say, Lord, how available am I to be in close? I know a part of me wants it. 
But if you come from a place like I do where sometimes being close was not necessarily a safe thing, you can bet that a part of you may not want it. There's a feeling of being split. Some of you feel that sense of you want to be close, but you don't want to be swallowed. So you kind of have this, you're always starting fights. You have a great weekend, and right after that, it's amazing we blow up at each other. And what are we doing? Getting a little space. Doing it in a way that's not conscious, not mature. But we're doing it. We're trying to push someone away. So it's amazing. All of a sudden, we're at that fight again. There's that distance again. And then we make up again and we get close for a little while. Because there's a part of us that still isn't available to stay close. The second thing, if you want to be close, you have to have availability. That's the first thing. The second thing is you've got to have ability. Now, this is the stuff where... I hate to say it. Any sport you want to take on. How many people play some kind of a sport here? And how many people, when you started playing that sport, had to learn a new skill? All right, I'm going to tell you, for me and the way that I look at it is I think being close takes a new set of skills. You've got to start learning and you've got to start practicing. One of those things is learning the art of how to answer the question, how are you doing? You want to be close? you got to know the skill of how to answer the question, how are you doing? So one of the ways that I look at this, and those of you who are on the side, I'll try and tell you what I'm drawing. I'm drawing circles, and they're small, forming a bullseye. All right, one, two, three, four. Outer circle is four, then three, then two, then one. What we desire is to have some sort of a balance of people that kind of know us at, a, at kind of that outside level where we kind of know their face. We're glad to see them. We've seen them before. Some of you at the end are like, hey, you, who, you, because you can't remember their name. You're like, yeah, you, guy. You start calling them guy. You know, they don't know your name. What's up, Guy. Three, two, some of you, your family's right around here somewhere. And that's good. I don't want to know about my parents' sex life. That's good. I leave that for you guys. That's okay. I don't want no details. That's okay. And one is that inner circle. That's what Jesus is gathering around him. He's gathering around his inner circle. These people that know him inside and out, that can see him when he's afraid. You got a circle like that? you got a group of people that not everybody knows everything, but in that circle, and I'm talking three or four people maybe, and then maybe if you're in that relationship with one significant other, maybe one person knows even the, the dirt that nobody else knows. Now, things go wrong. What's your name? Mark, do you mind coming up here with me? Now, let's say that Mark and, and I have... Uh, how you doing, Mark? Let's say Mark and I appreciate you coming up here, man. Um, <laughs> let's say Mark and I just met, and uh, Mark and I and, and they do that thing where they say, "Turn around and tell everybody how you doing." And we turn around and we go like this. We go, "Hey, I'm Dave." Mark, Mark I'm just having some bowel problems. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. 
<laughs> he was actually pretty nice about it. But what's Mark going to do as soon as he gets a chance? Go! He's going to leave. He's going to leave. Now hang on there a second. There's a study out that says basically people are going to do one of two things. If they feel anxious, they are going to go further away. Unless it's out of ministry or pity where they're doing something intentional to, to go against that anxiety. Under most circumstances, if they feel anxious... They're going to move away. So some of you who feel like you don't have that sense of closeness with people, you're excited to get close. So you tell them the stuff that they just met. And you, keep, you wonder why people keep leaving. Well, part of the reason is you're telling them information that belongs where? Here. Circle one. When they're out here. Circle four. Goes wrong the other way, too. Let's say Mark and I have been friends for a long time. Let's say we've got an intentional kind of, um, you know, brother, band of brothers kind of relationship where we've decided to kind of walk together. And we sit down for coffee and, and, uh, and, and Mark says, says uh, how you doing? How you doing? And I say, good. <laughs> how you doing? Good. And our, and our meeting ends. <laughs> Right. Good, good, good. I know that was good. Good job, buddy. I'll tell you what, a lot of marriages I see, that's what's happening. They got their spouse and they come home and they say, how was your day? And they go, good. When I work with guys, when I do men's groups, I outlaw the words good, fine, okay. Because that's what they do. We go around the circle, how are you doing? Good. Cricket, cricket. Cricket, cricket, no one's saying anything, no one's saying anything. Why? Because the information is too light for the meeting, for the intention of the meeting. Learn how to answer the question, how are you doing? It depends on what circle you're in. And one of the, chat, one of the things, if you're going to develop your ability to be close, one little tip is to just sort of gauge for yourself, what level is this relationship that I'm talking in? As I go this way... Typically, I'll give you more of the bad information. I'll give you more of what's hard as I go towards circle one. The more I'm out here, the less I'm probably going to give of that to you. When I go this way, the distance can come closer. Let's see, what's your name? Taylor. Taylor. Do you mind coming up here, Taylor? All right, Taylor. I'm Dave. All right. Let's say Taylor and I just met. We're just, we're, we're, they're telling us to shake hands and say hi to someone we don't know. And I go, hey, that's great. How are you doing? <laughs> now, Taylor's actually pretty good because he didn't, do, he didn't move that far. But you can see him doing it even right now. Like, what are you doing? Get out of my, get out of my space. Thanks, Taylor. Appreciate it. Some of you guys, now all you ladies, you don't even have to listen to this too much. But guys, when you're doing the little meet and greet thing, Give the gals a little bit of space if you don't know them, okay? You don't need to charge right in. How you doing? Nice to meet you. Yeah, yeah, I'm a Christian. I'm, 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 uh, I'm uh, available, too. Guys, <laughs> back up just a bit. Your circle is right around. You're, you're out here, guys, and you're wanting to move this way. I get that. Another skill, if you want is to learn how to talk about conflict, but to be careful of the meta-message you're telling them. Let's see. 
Olivia. You going to come up here? <laughs> Olivia is my buddy. I've known Olivia since she was like zero. <laughs> so let's say Olivia and I are friends. And let's say that we're, we're, we're working through a conflict. Let's say we've had some kind of a conflict together. And she's hurt my feelings. And let's just say that, I, that I, it's my turn to talk to her. One thing that I'm going to do is I'm going to marry the idea that I am going to tell the truth. If you want to be close, I challenge you to get really clear on your value around the truth. All of you people that are peacemakers out there, you kind of fudge a little bit. Is this truth going to hurt or not? And so you debate on what you're going to do with the truth. I would challenge you to get really solid on that, that the truth is something that when it's gone, it is a really difficult thing to repair. I deal with that right now with couples. So I'm going to tell the truth to Olivia. And I say, that other day, Olivia, that you said that thing, it really hurt me. And you always say stuff like that because you're insensitive and you don't care about people. No, no, yeah, you see? No, perfect. Actually, that's perfect. What did she do? Did she want to come closer to me or did she want to go further away from me? Further away, absolutely. So I'm telling her the truth. And some of you guys are in a relationship right now, gals and guys, you're in a relationship where you're telling each other the truth, but you're not being careful of the meta message, which is either come closer or go further away. I will literally have couples sit in a chair, and when they're talking about their difficult things, I'll have them write it down, and after they say it, I'll say, okay, now after that person said what they said, did you want to move your chair closer or did you want to move it further away? You watched Olivia. As soon as I said that stuff, I'm telling her the truth. She hurt my feelings. But what am I doing? I'm starting to talk. I'm attacking her character and all this. I'm starting to make it a global thing that she always does this stuff. What does she want to do? She wants to move away. I would too. Now if I say, Olivia, the other day you you said that thing and it really hurt my feelings and I know that you don't intend to do that and I know that you actually are amazing at usually being really careful about that but it totally hurt my feelings and I just want to tell you because I don't want that between us. You see it? Same truth. To make you want to come closer or further away? There you go. (laughs) Thanks, Olivia. Some of you watched your parents do this, where they were telling each other the truth, but they weren't listening to their meta message of either come closer or go further away. And if you want to be close, I want to tell you right now, you've got a conversation in your life, don't you? You've got a conversation that you've got to have and you don't know how to have it. I want to tell you, if you make a decision, I'm going to tell them the truth about how they're impacting me, how they hurt my feelings, or how they make me feel great. You've got to be aware. Is the meta message telling them to get further away? And if it is, is it because I'm not available to be close right now? I'm scared. They're doing something that reminds me of a place that I come from. They're doing that thing. It's like that other thing. And that scares me. I've been burned. I don't want to be burned again. So even though I'm doing all the work around being close, my meta message is saying, get further away, get further away, get further away. I want to challenge you. One way to cut through that is to simply ask yourself the question, what would be the mature thing to do right now? You see, Jesus could have done a lot of things right there. 
As he's getting closer to the cross, he doesn't want to see anybody get hurt. He could start to push them away. He could start to send them away and to go do other jobs, get them away from himself. Instead, what he's doing is he's drawing them close. And the mature thing is he's starting to tell them about himself. He's starting to reassure them and prepare them for what's going to happen. He's available. He also has the ability. He knows this is his inner circle. These are the people that need to hear this. So when they ask him how he's doing, he doesn't just say good. He starts really letting them know. Some of you have relationships right now and you're feeling like you're bored. One of the ways through that boredom is when the person asks you how you're doing, start telling them about your inner world. One way you can lean is to start listing off feelings. I know this sounds like the counselor thing to say, doesn't it? Talk about your feelings. But you can do it in a way that no one will ever notice. I'll tell you what, as a speaker, this is something I watch some speakers do, and when I watch people just like, great, you know, gum chewing, you know, whatever they're listening. What I'm listening for in that speaker is how many times they identify what they're feeling or the feelings of the people that they're talking about, and they can do it in a real subtle way. John Gottman does research that says that when we hear these words, and the more creative they are, the more it'll work. When I tell you something that I feel alone or I feel abandoned or I feel energized, what that does in the brain, says Gottman, is it triggers something that makes us want to come closer. It makes us want, it it elicits compassion from us. And you can do it in a way that people will hardly even notice. The other day I was walking down the street and I just completely felt completely purposeless. And you will watch people get close. Got to know what circle you're in. Got to watch the message that you're sending them over the words that you're saying about get close or go away. Got to learn how to talk about the stuff that's going on. Start with your feelings first. Get more creative. Then you're going to watch people lean in. You will be more interesting. For those of you who think you're boring, check your language. If you're talking only up in your head, you're like a newspaper. This happened, then 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 this happened. And my opinion was, and my opinion was, and my opinion was. You'll watch people go. Start to insert some of the ways that you felt. And you'll watch people perk up. You gotta have availability, you gotta have ability, and you gotta have assistance. And I'm gonna repeat a little bit from what I said last week, you guys, but this is the deal that when we're taking on this thing with the relationships, what a gigantic mountain that is for some of us that come from relationships that were completely shattered, or we've been in relationships that were so hurtful, or we were in a relationship that was really good, so close, just not quite the one. Or you're in a place right now where you've had a group of friends, but you can see the pathway that they're on, and you're saying, that's not the path that I feel God is calling me to. When I was a senior, I was living in my fraternity. Stay to side. Good group of guys. I came into college wanting that college experience. I really did. So I took my time and did the drinking thing, did the women thing. But what I watched were the guys that were coming back fifth year, coming back to visit the house. And when I started feeling like these guys aren't growing, they still talk about things in the same way they did when they were 18. 
And I could feel like Jesus was saying, I want more from you. I want more for you, Dave. And it was uncomfortable because I got to tell you something, leaving the house in your senior year when I was in there, that was a big, bad deal. Loyalty. And I went and worked at this Christian camp that I told you about last week and I came back and I knew that I couldn't live there anymore. And I had to start going through what I talked about last week was that, that feeling of just that, that kind of not knowing who my friends were going to be. And I remember the mo- moments that I would have with it was just me and my Bible for a while. I'd never really read the Bible, so it was just uh, just drinking it in, drinking it in. I started coming to the end, and there's still that void of people, and I just started praying. God, I pray that you send me people that will be close. And that's when I met Steve Bammer, who's still one of my dear, dear friends, who had gone through the same journey out of his house. Miracle enough, guys in my house actually were eventually really accepting of this. They used to make jokes that, oh, we got to go save seat, one for Dave, one for Jesus. But they were, in their own way, loving of me. But I still knew that we weren't going to be close the way that I needed to be close with a band of brothers in the direction that I felt God was calling me to be. It was just time. You're going to need assistance. Assistance of the Spirit to let you know that you're okay. Assistance of the Spirit when you're working on some of this availability stuff and some of this ability stuff and you're feeling awkward, you're feeling like you don't know what you're doing, that's all right. You can start praying saying, God, help me. Help me do this. Assist me. Jesus is talking in this passage saying, I'm not going to leave you. I'm the vine and you are the branches. I am in you and you are in me. Just keep following what I said. Keep going with what I said. Keep going with what I said. Don't quit. Don't give up. Trust me. Trust me. Trust me. That sense of assistance is going to come. You're going to need the assistance eventually of some people around you. Women, where's your group? Where are those women around you? Guys, where's your band of brothers? Got to have it. group that I'm in, Ryan's in it. We've been together for a long, long time. About 11 years ago, I went through a huge faith crisis. This was after being a pastor. Just got let down. It's right on the, right on the heels of me going over to Rwanda and watching some of that, seeing some of that stuff. I just, gosh, I just had my faith just rocked. And for a while, I was so angry at God, I didn't want to have anything to do with him. If you can let this happen, God, what good are you? I started getting together with one of the guys in my group. And he just listened to me tell the same story over and over again. And he gave me permission. He said, you just keep telling it until you can't tell it anymore. He didn't try to pull me out of it. Didn't try to argue for God. Figured God could argue for himself. That's what Job's about, by the way. God can take, take care of himself. And he said to me, when it was all done, and I felt this healing, the sense of the relationship that I had with God. I used to go to Compline. I still go. 
I would sit in compline, and when they would ask everybody to stand and recite the Apostles' Creed, I wouldn't stand. I was just like, I was just, um, it's like, it was like me and God were there and just weren't speaking. Went for four years. Just stayed quiet. And one day it was just this sense of it melting. And the sense of God saying, Dave, I know you don't get everything. I know. And I know there's some really awful things that are in this world. I get it. And on this side of heaven, there are going to be a lot of answers that unfortunately you just don't get to know. But I'm still God. And I'm still here. It's like Peter being asked by Jesus, are you going to leave me too? And Peter looking at Jesus and saying, Lord, you have the words of eternal life. Where else am I going to go? That was it. And I asked my friend, why did you stay with me? I mean, I've got an MDiv. I can hammer theology. I can poke holes in it all day long. Why did you stay? And he said, because I felt like the Lord was telling me one thing. Stay close. Just stay close. So I did. That was Olivia's dad, Mike. I'm glad he stayed close. I challenge you guys as you go into this series on relationships. You got to do a little bit of an inventory. How available are you? Do your abilities need some work? If you do, you're ready. Prayer tonight. God, help me. And what I want you to picture is I want you to picture Jesus just like he was with the disciples, looking at them, looking at you, looking at Hunter, looking at Annie, looking at Olivia, looking at you in the eyes and saying, I'm going to stay close, I promise. Now let's go. Jesus, I thank you for this time. I thank you for the people in this room. I pray you bless these words and I pray you sift these words. I pray for the people in this room tonight that don't know what it's like to feel close, but it's the longing of their heart. I pray, Lord, that in this time that they're hearing something that is a spur to them to start that process of becoming people that can be close. So as they take on a new identity, as they start looking for a new relationship or the evolution of a relationship that they're in right now, I pray that they would have it in mind to learn what it is to be close. Because I know it makes you smile. I know that's how you designed us. I know that's what you want for us. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.